I'm Derek Thompson, longtime writer with The Atlantic magazine on tech, culture, and politics. There is a lot of noise out there, and my goal is to cut through the headlines, loud tweets, and hot takes in my new podcast, Plain English. I'll talk to some of the smartest people I know to give you clear viewpoints and memorable takeaways. Plain English starts November 16th. Listen for free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. And welcome to the Ringer Prestige TV podcast. It's Big Sky Country's number one vegan lifestyle show. It's Ryan Russillo and Chris Ryan here to talk about a downright soap operatic episode of Yellowstone. Ryan, what's going on, man? Good to be with you again, Chris. I uh, I want to start with this episode. Uh, what is I think it's called I Want to Be Him. And I really, really want to talk about this Garrett Jamie situation this whole conversation that happens between jamie and his biological father garrett just as a little uh refresher if you guys aren't really aware of what garrett's up to garrett uh murdered jamie's mom about 30 years ago when he found her selling her own body to support her drug habit and jamie was about to smoke crack as a baby and uh garrett killed his mother uh and went to jail five doctors will tell you wrong idea yeah probably probably not board certified and then he's back in the mix. And boy, he's been he's been doing a lot with his limited playing time. Um, he built Jamie a house, which he is quick to remind Jamie all about, and is uh, in the process of reuniting Jamie with Christina, who is the mother of his child who worked on his political campaign in the past and seemed to have just exited stage left off the show. Uh, we didn't think we were going to see her or the baby again. It was one of those things that might get written off. She shows up briefly in this season and is still not on cam camera, but is like, is, is is a specter on the show. I guess, broadly speaking, Ryan, what did you make of, of Garrett and Jamie's big scene and Garrett's big confession that he indeed did try to orchestrate the assassination of Jamie's surrogate family? Well, Jamie feels like he's a, he's a bottle of emotions right now. And so it went from he was ready to confront the dad last episode to, hey, here's your mystery wife and kid. And you're like, all right, we'll get to the other stuff later about you trying to kill my family. And so I felt like we got the payoff that we thought we were getting in the previous episode. Once, you know, they put all arrows, they were basically drawing arrows into the TV show being like, it's Jamie's dad. It's Jamie's dad. It's Jamie's dad. All right. (laughs) It was so obvious. I thought maybe, wait, are they trying to trick us here? So when he sticks a gun on his father and was like, get up, I don't, was he going to do a citizen's arrest in the kitchen at some point? I guess and then, it, in his powers as Montana attorney general, does he, is he allowed to just make arrests? 
Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so he's got his, he's got his, what looked like a smaller caliber handgun on him. And I think that might've been some sort of sign with Jamie, not a 45 in this case, <laughs> something nine millimeter, maybe foreign. And the father's like, shoot me, shoot, <laughs> just shoot me. Which is, you know, there's a lot of these videos going around on how to handle a gun being pulled on you. And, and I just don't, shoot I, me as one. Yeah. Yeah. The, the new one, Yellowstone style, you just turn and be like, shoot me, go for it. And then he convinces Jamie that, I, I don't know, it's just weird. It's hard to keep track of where Jamie's head is at with this whole thing. Cause it felt like when he pulled the gun on the biological father, like, all right, this is what makes sense. Like, this is who Jamie grew up with. His father's admitting, I tried to kill all of them. Like, Casey's somebody he cares about, even though Beth and him argue all the time. I don't think he hates John. He certainly loves Casey a lot. And he's still done things to protect the ranch, even when the relationship has been strained. So I thought that part of it sort of made sense. But because I guess he's such a mess, we still don't know which way Jamie's leading. And look, it's a TV show. It doesn't make a ton of sense if Jamie's just on the same page with everybody, takes out his biological dad, and then has a new barn. Like, yeah. hey, do you want to stop by <laughs> Jamie's for lunch? It's a TV show. So, you know, we need we need Jamie to be confused to continue to pay off on this part of the story. Yeah, I uh, so... Uh, Will Patton, who's playing Garrett, I thought did a really nice job channeling both, um, you know, Coach Eric Taylor in his just like it was a, it had a little bit of a halftime speech. It's like slowly building. Also, and I know you, you know, you you've done a lot of construction in your life. He seemed particularly enamored with his own ability to build the house. Like he was just like, I built this house for you. And then transposes that into like, and I have also orchestrated the reemergence of your, of your child. And I'm going to hook you up with your ex. Did you, I mean, like that was, that was a pretty, like a lot of promises being made from Garrett. Yeah. But at this point he's delivered. So That's the true. property looks great. And then you're right. He, he transitioned into not just. Because the way I had read it, it was like, I built this whole thing for you. I've built yeah. all of this for you. More of a and, metaphor than it was like right. literally the house. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought he was doing. But I don't think he's going to He's. I don't think he's going to side with this guy. And then we're going to reset it. You know, I can't imagine a scenario where Jamie's decides to go to war with the Duttons with this guy. Yeah, the uh, the the Jamie's reaction, which starts, like you said, with him pulling a gun on Garrett and then ends with him basically sobbing in the guy's arms is that that's Yellowstone. Like there's only two reactions. You can't have it be like, hey, you know what? I'm going to need you to back off and then I'm going to go think about this for a while. And, you know, it's food for thought, but it's still not OK to try to orchestrate multiple killings. He's just like in tears, sobbing in this guy's arms. And it doesn't it doesn't hurt that the you know the episode also includes yet another Beth dressing down of Jamie, um, where she's where she's just like my my goal in life is to ruin yours. Uh, I really liked Garrett's um, hand gestures. I don't know if you noticed that, but like he was doing a lot of like touch my head, then point towards you, touch my heart, point to a lot of like just very tactile, motivational speaking going on there. Yeah, I also think there's a part of the storyline too where, I mean, again, it's a guess, but. Could Jamie know this information and then act on it? And yet it comes back to burn him again because it's Jamie because he knew it for as long as he did, but didn't say anything to anybody. Do you think that they have Christina and the baby on like a a per scene salary kind of situation? Like, are they like why are they keeping these people off camera so much? We had we had somebody at ESPN who got paid for every radio hit they did, so they weren't oh. a radio employee. Okay. They weren't a radio employee, but they got paid like a pretty significant hit to come on and do seven to eight minute phoners. And so 
this one person, I'd see him in the hallway all the time, and he'd be like, hey, I heard you talking about that thing with um, Aaron Rodgers. You know, I used to work on NFL contracts, and I could I could help you with that. And come on. I'd be like, yeah, come on in studio. You know, fine. I don't care. Hey. <laughs> he'd be like, cha-ching. <laughs> no, but I didn't know because no one knew. And it'd be like 115. All right, well, pension in a 115, segment six. Have you on talk a little Aaron Rodgers. Okay, cool. And then it kept happening where every week or so, I'd get a producer in my ear being like, hey, so-and-so's on the hotline. He said he wanted to jump in and talk a little bit about this because he has some expertise with it. And I'd be like, no, I'm in the middle of a fucking segment. Like, this doesn't work that way. No. And then all the staff was like, this guy keeps calling every show around the clock asking if they want to put him on. And I go, every time he's on campus and I see him, he stops me in the hallway to say how much he likes the show and he'd love to be more of a part of it. And then someone in management went, hey, guess what? He gets a $5 per radio hit rate where he already owe him like $40,000 extra. Somebody screwed it up and that's what he's doing. He didn't want to come on anybody's shows. He was just counting it every single time. So that explanation is maybe part of the reason why Jamie's ex-wife went missing for about two seasons. I'm going to renegotiate my my ringer deal with Bill and make it a per show deal. But I'm just going to then start calling Jastrzemski and being like, hey, John, I wanted to uh, weigh in on Brooklyn bar scene in the early 2000s. But that's the thing. And you don't tell anybody what you're doing because that's what this guy did. And it's, you know, you're going to short term it. You're going to make some money. But once everybody figured out what you're doing, it's a horrible long, long term play by an employee. And then once everybody realized what he did, they were super pissed. So I would say try to pull it off. But I don't like your chances for a contract after it. Yeah, maybe we'll see more of Christina soon. I mean, she she played a part in the, I believe, second season of the show, then was pretty much absent for the entire third season and reappeared. But it's the same actress. So I'm I'm kind of curious whether or not like she's got anything like maybe she's on like a different show or something or the scheduling was just tough. I can't tell. Um, let's talk a little bit about the um, the meeting of the minds that took place at the Dutton Ranch and the, to, to sort of open the show, which was uh, Summer and John and Beth. I thought that was just a really heartwarming um, convergence of people. <laughs> so just, just so people know, like obviously Summer is this uh, environmental activist that uh, John had arrested in one episode, but then bailed out and just spend some some quality time with. Obviously, it looks it seems as if they've maybe consummated their relationship. Uh, Beth, in the course of just a few minutes of meeting Summer, threatens to stab her in the stomach, uh, brags to her father about her own pimping expertise, denigrates Summer's chest size, mocks ve- veganism, and tells Summer she should get tested for chlamydia. That's in that's just in their first meeting. Oh, also she has a knife pointed out her for most of the conversation. Seems like those two got along really well. Did you include that? She said, I hope you die of ass cancer. Oh, as that's well? right. That was her sign off. That's right. Yeah, that was, that was the last one. That was the closer on that one. Uh, I got to tell you, Beth, a little inconsistent here. We just saw her out on the porch with dad saying, we need to get you. I don't know how vulgar we want to be late. on this, but he's, yeah, late. yeah, yeah. Cause she's a little more vulgar about it. And I actually enjoy John constantly being like, I don't want to talk to you like this, Beth, that part I yes. like. So Beth's basically saying, we need to get you laid. And then John decides, all right, it's on. This girl's summer, kind of cute. You know, like you're sitting there and be like, what's John thinking? Be like, "Uh, you know, little little rowdy, kind of cute, makes bad decisions. Let me check out the ranch. I got a new quilted, you know? So um, Beth is a complete hypocrite here because she was just saying, dad, we need you to go do this. And then dad brings somebody home and then she's got a knife on her. Beth is just, Beth at 11, every single scene is... It's it's grinding me down. I got to tell you, yeah. it's, it's it's wearing me out a little bit. So 
I don't know. I was happy for John, but then it, the summer part of this doesn't make any sense. Like summer later in the episodes, getting a, getting a walk. She doesn't have to do the walk of shame. John's giving her a ride in a sick yeah. 350 is what it looks like. Uh, or excuse me, maybe a 3,500. Truck um, talk. <laughs> and we got we a little calf on the loose. And they can't figure out. And then she's sitting there watching Rip and John clip the fence and then carefully get the calf back through to rejoin the herd. And then it just dawns on her. She's like, you guys have a real passion for this. Be like, oh, you mean the fucking (laughs) fences and the horses and the ranch and the trucks and the barbed wire and the staff of 20 and the fact that I live up here and talk the way I do and literally every decision I've made about my life and my surrounding family for the past 50 fucking years wasn't a hit because I put this calf back on the other side of the fence that now it's dawned on you that, hey, this guy may be into ranching. Yeah, yeah, I really, it seems like you really throw yourself into your work. That's great. <laughs> and then she's like, just a, a and gig. now I'm going to walk home. Now that I appreciate you more and don't look at you as just straight murderers. Yeah. Now I'd like to walk. <laughs> I, I hope that this, this, the conversation between Beth and Summer and John and Gator, the caterer or the the chef in the caterer for the show itself, but the chef in the show is the last time we talk about the hypocrisy of of veganism versus uh you know e- meat eating lifestyle because I think we've covered it. I think we've gotten to the bottom of it. We talked about whether or not like harvesting soy somehow also affects like living creatures, and it's it's one of the only things where I'm like I'm personally not a vegetarian, but it, it, I think we've got it covered that summer is, is a hippie who likes, you know, non GMO orange juice. Yeah. Right. Like the quinoa thing was, was like, Oh wow. I didn't know that about quinoa. You know, I also I think Gator definitely would know what gluten is. Poor Gator guy makes more smoothies than nobody drinks. That smoothie <laughs> looked awesome at the yeah. end. It was like, all right, what's wrong with that smoothie by the time she you knows like, you can't get this thing to go. So that was, um, I just don't like if Beth's going to tell her dad he needs to get laid and then dad brings home somebody, then you're like, you're going to stab her. Yeah. <laughs> it's also, Do you think summer's super, done? Uh, no, I think summer's back in. I think summer will somehow be like, as all these kids have moved out and Beth is just, you know, on 100, I think summer will be like the presence in the house that kind of like awakens John. Cause otherwise he's just like sitting around, like dressing his wounds and drinking scotch every night. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it just doesn't seem like it's a very fun existence if you're just like, do it, do, if you're just doing that. Um, this was an episode where, you know, you mentioned the, um, you mentioned like the rescuing the calf. And then it was a pretty like, I mean, aside from the fact that, that there are a lot of threats being made, relatively like pedestrian, I guess any episode of Yellowstone that doesn't feature a major tactical shootout is, it feels pedestrian, but like, you know, Casey checking out the new house, enjoying life with a dog doing a little bit of horse detective stuff out on the res. But like, for the most part, like, you know, it was, it was a pretty like, like normal everyday episode of Montana life. I can't believe you just described it that way. Cause I would say yes, up into like minute 50 and then <laughs> Lloyd. <laughs> but payback that, is, Lloyd. that seems like it's pretty normal too. <laughs> <laughs> so Lloyd banished to hang out with the kid that nobody likes and who's also banished. It kind of reminded me of Barry Bonds in spring training when guys who liked Barry Bonds would be the call-ups 
Be like, yeah, Barry Bonds. Be like, did you ever make it to the bigs? Be like, no, it's Triple A San Francisco. But we used to hang out with Bonds and get dinner all the time. You're like, because no, <laughs> none of the real teammates wanted to. So I kind of felt like Lloyd was giving off some Barry Bonds spring training vibes, where he's hanging out with a kid teaching him to rope. And you're like, this sucks. Yeah. All right. And then I'm like, no, here we go. Now Lloyd's back in. He rolls in. He smashes Walker's guitar, and then he fucking stabs him. I mean, throws yeah. a knife right into his arm. And then that leads to them beating the shit out of each other where these commercials, which I think your greatest call of this entire season is the seamlessness with the advertisements. It's an unbelievable read on this. It would be like watching Star Wars, the movie, and not realizing that the the cantina bar is actually an ad for a vacation spot. <laughs> that it's like a TGI Fridays. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, you know, feeling good in the neighborhood. And you're like, wait, is this still the movie or where are we? Are we still on Tantooine? I don't even know what's going on. The ads in this, you'll lose track. So when Lloyd and Walker are actually fighting each other to the death almost, because you have to fight. Yeah. Um, you have to fight and then you have to be done. And then it's done. You have to get and all the, the fight out of you. The lo- the winner gets his ass kicked by Dutton or Rip. Yeah, right. Yeah, right, right. So that's you win and then you lose again. And um you know, Lloyd beats Walker and then Dutton's going to go beat up Lloyd. And then Rip's like, they'll hate you for it, sir. They'll hate you for it. They'll hate you for it. And the the best line, maybe the entire show, which is a great line where they make the kid. I keep forgetting his name. What's the Charlie? Carter. What's the kid's? Carter. 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 Yeah. yeah. Carter. Couldn't be Charlie. <laughs> Charlie would be better. I like that. Charlie Montana, I think, makes a little bit more sense. But his name's Carter. And then Rip goes to Carter. goes, the only painless way to learn this lesson is to watch. So he makes him let the boy watch. Let him let watch. The boy watch. <laughs> let him watch with my plums. Yeah. So anyway, um. Um, Charlie, aka Carter, is watching the fight, and they went to commercial, Chris, and then they came back from the long commercial break, and they're still beating they're the still shit out of each, on each other. So I was like, whoa. Like you are hammering home this point. This is after also Walker had a blade pulled out of his shoulder. Yeah, um, and I want to just give a shout out to uh, the veterinarian industry because uh, Walker very specifically asks for something called banamine, which I had to go look up on Google. And here's what we got: uh, FDA approved to control pain due to foot rot and fever due to BRD. Banamine is the only non-steroidal anti-inflammatory cattle product available with convenient pour-on route of administration. So it's basically uh, like cow painkillers. But he went. He went oral and injection on yeah, that too. You know, he went. He was just like pour some on the wound and then dr- give me like a bunch of CCs straight straight down the gullet. And they're like, you know, there could be long term effects. He <laughs> said, Do I look like I'm going to live to seventy? I know. I love the lack of self preservation. <laughs> when, when you're not going to live to seventy, the whole world opens up. You could still smoke cigs. <laughs> you know, like you can you can work on the Yellowstone, go on on killing sprees. It really doesn't matter if you've got a short lifespan. <laughs> um I uh I they just decided hey females are out we're the, out on this the, is the this going to play out. is this gonna, so Mio already was leaving yes. and then Laramie who yanks the blade out of Walker which may not have been the smartest move no um and then Teeter's like I'm out of here too Teeter's speaking English now which is unfortunate because when Teeter first showed up on the scene you had to have the subtitles up yeah. And now that she's a little bit more, I guess she's adapted her surroundings a little bit more. She's lost some of her Arkansas flair. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so I don't know, because this has some real relationship strains on the bunkhouse. So if I had to guess, I I definitely think 
I mean, poss- I guess I, I guess I could see a possibility where they bring bring the the barrel girls back or whatever. But I think that some of these bunkhouse folks are going to also go to Texas for this four sixes show and this t- to go join Jimmy in Texas. I think Teeter might, and I bet I wouldn't be surprised if another person did because it feels like they're keeping that Jimmy subplot of like Jimmy on a t- an entirely different show operational to make it so that like. Either, I mean, like, either he comes back to save some sort of day at the Yellowstone, or they're setting up this other world that's happening concurrent to Yellowstone where other characters can go join him. I, 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 I gotta admit, I still, I just love the Jimmy stuff now. I just love watching him in Texas. I, um, I'm, I'm amazed that I like the Jimmy in Texas stuff as much as I do, because I wasn't always the biggest Jimmy storyline guy. And that roping that he's doing that guy, that guy's going to be one of the best roping son of a bitches we've ever seen in the roping game. Like, you know, I mean, he was outside, you know, karate kid style. Like, I'm just going to keep throwing this rope, throwing this rope. I don't understand the food situation though. They wake Uh, him up. I was going to bring this up. I was going to bring this up. This is, this is a huge episode for wasted breakfasts. Every breakfast get, gets served in this episode gets wasted. (laughs) So you got Dutton gets like the full spread. Nobody wants to eat it. Beth's threatening him. Gators got like the whole goddamn buffet and they're like, let's get some wheatgrass and Beth wants some, some, a pack of camels and some coffee and like a large Duncan. Then, uh, Garrett gets up from a full plate of grits to be like, shoot me to Jamie (laughs) and doesn't go back to his food. And then Jimmy gets like a beautiful grand slam breakfast from that lady he's staying with. And the guy's like, let's go. You had one bite of bacon time to go work for 14 hours. I look, you're, you're, you're absolutely on point. Best point you've made maybe today. Breakfast getting a PER of about four and a half in this episode. You're just like, un- breakfast is unplayable. Yeah. Unplayable, I mean, what right? are they trying to tell us? What, what are they trying to tell us about the utility of breakfast in modern America? I mean, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a granola in the morning and I keep it moving, guy. I don't know about you. I like to work out on an empty stomach. So I yeah. do a lot of water and then I'll do a juice. And today I did a couple almond butter on wheat things because i knew i'd be podcasting the first couple hours today so i wasn't gonna get like anything on wheat in me. toast no like this stupid snack thing that i have this, okay. this thing where it's almond butter and jelly in these pre-packaged things but they're supposedly good for you i don't know i have no idea um was there ever a point where you were like an eggs bacon home fries guy in the morning no i like to do late breakfast i like to work out and then i'll have breakfast Nice. So that's, but no, would I, would I make myself a big breakfast and go into work at ESPN? No, I didn't like to eat a lot. I didn't like a lot of food in me when I was on the air or we're working out, which is weird. And then I would like make up for it later on. So I get my, my meals in later, which I guess maybe is the wrong way to do it anyway. Um, but I just don't understand Jimmy, new guy in the ranch. You like him enough to invite him into your home to have breakfast, but you invite him as you're finishing up. He's taking one bite, tell him to take his hat off. And then you're like, all right, it's time to go. Yeah, and you're like, all right, well, that sucks. And then later on, he's so hungry, and it was pretty clear. However, Jimmy was supposed to play that plate of food because I think that's the wife being like, "Hey, you got fucked on the breakfast thing this morning," and maybe they're just giving you a hard time because you're the new guy. But you know, new guy or what? I just don't see cowboys being in the habit of wasting food, especially having the wife make a full plate and then being like, "Oh, we're gonna mess with him and have him waste it." That didn't make yeah. any sense. Just make a make a bacon egg and cheese out of that thing. Yeah, that's what I thought maybe he was going to do was just wrap it into an egg pita and go like this, like a like because Jimmy would do that kind of thing, especially in the meth days. Although yeah. he probably, probably didn't eat a lot when he was on meth. No, but, I think he was subsisting off <laughs> pure amphetamine. When he, when he has the plate of 
what looked like chicken fried steak or something in there, potatoes and the, and the beans, and he starts eating it. I, you could see the direction would have been like, I don't need, I haven't eaten anything all day hungry. I need midnight express hungry. <laughs> just just got out of Turkish prison hungry. That's that's what we need from you, Jimmy. But I'm with you. Uh, the biggest the biggest surprise for me has been really enjoying anything because it's the four sixes. And by the way, the tailor shared an ad where he does the tractor supply company ad where he admits, like, this is how I grew up. I don't know that I knew that that was this was exactly how he grew up. And by the way, I don't know what kind of program he's on, but he's he is jacked. He's got like. Did you see he's like got, his uh his shoulders are are getting like he's not in the Dwight Howard zone or anything, but he is a pretty jacked middle aged guy. He is. I don't know if there's a piss test policy on Yellowstone or what, but I I don't know if we got a Brett Boone situation here. But he is. No, I'm just kidding. He's he's jacked. <laughs> this this ranch and has kept that guy in shape. I saw a uh like a behind the scenes thing. I can't remember for what season it was, but it just got served to me on YouTube, and it's Costner. Who's you know like getting out there in years and he's wearing like just like a, a you know a button up shirt tucked into to to jeans. He looks basically like a, a nicer version of John Dutton. He's not doing the growl. And Sharon is just like wearing like a sh- a t shirt that's like you know like a kind of a, a short sleeve Henley and is just like ripped and is clearly like a, I could bench press you, Costner. Like we could do this. <laughs> yeah, because I don't think he's tall. I, I don't know. I, I don't know it. that he's tall. I don't feel like he, I don't know. I'm not 100% sure. But yeah, he was, when he was doing those ads, I'm like, this guy is is yoked up, man. All right. I'm going to ask you this. Okay. Are you actually starting to miss the zoning and boardroom property battle stuff? I think that, like, do I miss the, like, the Danny Houston types, like those guys and like all the arguing about whether they're going to build a city somewhere? Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that this this season is missing something like in that in like a tension. Like, especially since like when it first started, you're like, okay, so the entire season is gonna be oriented around like a basically a detective show trying to figure out who tried to have them killed. And that mystery has been solved yet not come to the forefront. So I don't really know what we're like. I don't really understand what Beth is doing, where she's like, I am working for the company that's trying to destroy the Yellowstone but only so that I can like fire Michael Nuri and then torment Jamie, I guess. Like, I'm not really sure what the kind of, what the antagonist of this season really is other than Garrett, I guess. So I do, I do mess it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. The seeds from the next episode, I guess I kind of miss Danny. Like Danny's character was awesome. Yeah. Rich guy, California, but not so rich. He could pull it off on his own. He had people to answer to. So he was sort of a man trap when he thought deep down, he was doing a very earnest thing in, bringing people to share in this majesty. Yeah. And, you know, that just wasn't going to ride. And then, you know, they tortured that fucker. <laughs> yeah, they really <laughs> killed him. <laughs> and then, you know, then he ends up getting killed by the other guys. So, yeah. you know, there was almost this alliance. But they do plant a seed where it looks like Beth is in a meeting where the market equities people are like, no, we're actually screwing you over. Like, that was the whole plan. And you thought you could stop this. And so now we're going to see where your head's at. And of course, I maybe we flirt with the idea she's going to turn on the family. But that seems impossible after the buildup four seasons in. And I do think that there's going to be some rainwater reckoning coming. Like, eventually, that'll probably be whatever the last version of the show is. So maybe it's stupid for me to try to guess when that's coming now. But there has to be some reckoning because it have been playing nice now for such a long time. Yeah, they're like the uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of stuff going on for quite a while, and and you know they basically are just yeah they they are like 
even though you and I are like mortal enemies, like the the newer forces coming into play are are unacceptable. Was there anything else from this episode you wanted to hit? Like, I guess, yeah, the Walker and Lloyd stuff seems to have resolved itself since Lloyd helps him up. Was the destroying of Lloyd's hand so that he never fought again? Like, what what do you think that's about? I know. I think that would be a problem as a rancher. (laughs) But I also think like we overrate broken hand stuff. Like this isn't Game of Thrones. Like hands get better. Yeah, that's right. You know, so exactly. I don't think he's gonna have to be a Lannister here, and you know, he's just gonna the dip, rub, rub some banamine on it. He'll be fine. But I think you made this point earlier. Of all the rules that exist, the not fighting at the Yellowstone seems to be the most misplaced. Like, why would fighting be that big of an issue? When I look at how you handle stuff, I wonder if fighting should be involved in more corporate workplaces. Yeah, would the corporate world actually be better off if you knew you could get your ass kicked by a guy down the hall? <laughs> Like, That's I think right. we'd all be maybe a little bit better at our jobs. I, do. I actually think there would be no fighting because you know that if you win the fight, Rip beats the shit out of you. <laughs> I think, I think it'd be like, you know what? Let's just settle our differences with some like nonviolent conflict resolution because I don't want to get my hand shattered by Rip. I can think of some places where I've worked though, where it's been like, you know, if, if you knew that this is the way it would go, then would you be trying to do this to me? Like you just know you can get away with this. So yeah. I, I'm I'm blown away that the Yellowstone has this policy because I actually think it could be implemented somewhere else. But you're right. Yeah, nobody, if you were at the ringer and you just knew that Kyle got to slap you around after like if you and I got into a big argument about wizards content, and then if I ended up getting you on the right day and I beat you up and then Kyle slaps me around, then what did I really win? <laughs> you know, I had a um a gym teacher when I was in like middle school who whenever we were playing pickup. Boston cream pie. (laughs) No, we would be like, we would play pickup. And if you got like a hard foul and just shoved a guy and was like, fuck you, get off me. The gym teacher would be like, lock the doors. Let's get it. Like, we're going to work this out like men. And he would be like, he would be encouraging us to like fight. And we'd be like, no, I was just fucking shoving him because he fouled me hard. But he would be like, we're going to settle this right now once and for all. (laughs) It would just be like, dude, chill out. We're, We're 12. You don't have to do it that way. Where did you go to school? A Quaker school in Philadelphia, which is why it's all, all the funnier. No, it was it was mixed. Yeah, it was co-ed. So what? Wait, so there'd be women in your gym class? Girls no, it would gym- be like a pickup game happening. Yeah. You know, like gym class right. would be like go go play. So we would have a pickup game, and if like one short kid fouled another short kid, which was usually you know included me, then you would just get like a little shovey, and then the gym teacher would be like, "We settle our differences and we leave them here." You know, you leave it on the in the ring. <laughs> I would just be like, Jesus Christ. I can't imagine that policy would be would be approved at a PTA meeting. Be like, all right, and for the fall semester 92, we're going to continue with allowing the boys to fight it out with the doors locked in front of coach. Even if they're just disagreeing about a block charge foul. <laughs> oh, the block charge, I think if I were a gym teacher, I'd want you to fight it out too. Uh, like, hey, you got to learn. Well, we can wrap it up there unless you got anything else. That's uh, it. That's all I got. Thanks to Sasha for producing us today. It's been a pleasure, Ryan, as always. I'll talk to you next week, man. 